Hello, I'm Emile Bullet, founder of Vespod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich, and you're listening to The Wallet. Every week, we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good dose of inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. Last year's Money Matters Festival was a huge success, with hundreds of you showing up. This year, we are taking things to the next level and going bigger than ever before. Yes, it's stressful, but also on March 3rd at Coco in Camden, for an entire day filled with insightful money talks and engaging workshops, we'll cover a wide range of topics from designing the life you want and deserve to rethinking the economy as well as investment strategies. You will hear from The Humble Penny, Claire Steele, Nafis Abakar, Stephanie Sword Williams, and so many others. We will, of course, be providing delicious lunch and drinks throughout the day, and you'll have a chance to mingle with a community of like-minded, inspirational women like yourself. Book your tickets via the Evenbrite link in the show notes. To celebrate the launch of the festival today, we are revisiting the key talk from last year's event. In this episode, you'll hear a panel discussing the main challenges when it comes to managing finances as women, the current economy, what can be changed, pension wealth gaps, the structural issues and what women are tirelessly doing to try and change the game. Isabel Berwick, host of the FT's Working It podcast and co-editor of Working Newsletter, is moderating the panel and asking questions to Romy Savova, CEO of Pensionbee, Bev Shah, the City Hive, and Selena Flavius from Black Girl Finance. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. This is the talk about where do we stand today, women in the economy. There's a lot to talk about. I think you'll all agree. And it's wonderful to see you all here. My name's Isabel Berwick. I'm going to be joined by these three amazing experts. We're going to talk for about half an hour. To my immediate left, I've got Romy Savova. She is the founder and CEO of Pensionbee. It's the leading online pension provider. She founded Pensionbee in 2014 to simplify pension savings in the UK. And I used to be a personal finance editor. I know how complex pensions are. So thank you, Romy. It was following her own harrowing pension transfer. And she previously worked in investment banking and she has an MBA from Harvard Business School. So she knows what she's talking about. Selena Flavius, created Black Girl Finance. It's an award-winning financial coaching and training company for black women. And Bev Shah, on my far left, is the founder and CEO of City Hive. It's a network for change. City Hive is a think tank and advocacy group that aims to build an inclusive and successful investment management industry. I'm going to start with a question for all the panelists. And I think we have to start this discussion with a mention of the turmoil win at the moment, the British economy, as well as the wider global trends. And I wanted to ask the panellists how they each feel about the economy and the investment outlook. How do we live through this chaos, Bev? Look, markets are cyclical and I spent the most of my career as a frontline investor. Um, I started my career um, when dot-com went bust and I lived through the credit crunch. It was painful. But also what I my tips would be, which in hindsight I wish I'd known back then, was this is a great opportunity So if you know where you personally stand with your finances and you understand what your outcomes are that you're looking to achieve, like what are your different pots of money? Are you looking at your pension, for example? Well, most of you look like you're really young. And if whether you're 20, 30, 40 or even 50 in this room, um, you're not going to be retiring tomorrow. You know, there's a there's a saying in the city that they always say, um, 
history does not repeat, but it rhymes. So yes, markets are cyclical. And this, for me, I see the current market as sale of the century. This is bargain hunting time. If you've got a small pot of money that you can put in, you will see that, that if that money is for your pension or for something in the future, this is a great opportunity at the moment. So don't get panicked by what you hear in the headlines or what you see. It's all aggregated news and they want you to panic. This is time to keep your head on. And, you know, ladies, we all we know how not to kind of panic. That's we let's leave that to the white men in the city. All right. <laughs> you know, um, so that would be my tip. It's like, don't look at the headlines. Look at your own finances. Plan out what you want. And the only other thing I would say is, yes, there is a cost of living crisis coming. Be mindful of that as you head into Christmas, because we none of us know actually what the bills will look like. And those bills aren't coming our way until next year. So just be mindful as we head into those periods where we do start to spend lots of money and then all of a sudden realise, uh-oh, um, it's maybe not going to be as bad as they think. Maybe it'll be worse. Maybe it'll be better. But if you've planned for it, then you're in a really good place. And what you the word resilience, right? Well, that's what we are as ladies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And talking of resilience, you know, we're talking cyclical here, but just very long term, we've long give, lived with pay gaps and ethnicity pay gaps at work and that attendant knock-on effect on our pensions. Many of us have probably worked part-time when our children were small, that kind of thing. There are gaps everywhere. And I wanted to ask Selena particularly, why does that persist? And what do you think would, or perhaps what you all think, would really help to get things moving? And do you have any personal tips for the audience? Um, in terms of why the gaps exist, so on my platform, I talk a lot about the uh, gender and ethnicity pay gaps. And there's so many other gaps that we could talk about. Um, uh, obviously, we spoke about the uh, housing gap earlier. There's credit gap as well for, for women um, in terms of uh, kind of credit scores being lower because sometimes we tend to put you know, uh, kind of loans and things in other people's names, not our own, or it could be just a cultural thing. Um, uh, so that... that and I think the reasons why they exist are because I think traditionally finance and the financial space was built for men. Um, I feel like we're in a great place now and that more women are building you know, banks and, and platforms that allow us to take control of our finances. Um, at the same time, uh, kind of the, the way the media markets uh, kind of money to us as men and women is very different as well. So men are often taught about investment strategies and women are told to, you know, buy less shoes. Um, so I think we really need to be mindful of um, kind of just, just what's going on around us and um, some of those kind of thoughts and feelings about money that we've picked up over the years just because the way kind of the system's built and the, it's marketed at us. I think what we can do is just, uh, you know, I talk about the gaps also. It's quite depressing, to be honest, talking about kind of pay gaps and ethnicity pay gaps because these, uh, they're caused by quite systemic and ingrained um, uh, kind of, you know, histories. Uh, so it's going to take a long time to unpack them. But what we can do in the meantime is if we are aware, just making sure as we go through our career, um, making sure that we're asking for those pay rises. And I, I was on a, an event yesterday and someone mentioned the fact that they're a hiring manager and that women don't often, you know, negotiate salary. 
whereas men always do. And then particularly women from diverse backgrounds, we're not doing that. So we need to do that. And then we also need to be really intentional with our finances. So what are we doing? Are we investing? Are we just simply saving like we've been kind of taught and conditioned to do? Um, So yeah, just being really intentional with with what you're doing and with your finances and as you navigate through your career as well is a big thing. Romy, what's the state of the pensions gap? It's still pretty dire. (laughs) So women points in their lives can have £100,000 less in their pensions than men. And that is a really, really big number. And I think the reason why that number exists, why this gap is so incredibly wide, is because society is set up in a way that favors wealth accumulation for men over wealth accumulation for women. And what do I mean by that? I think that most of us will have experienced either the anxiety or the actual experience of having children. And for for many of us, you know, this is not really, it's not an optional decision as some people will, will make it seem out. It, it, it is a decision that, you know, most of us end up making as, as women. Um, and the world is set up in a way to, you know, to, to penalize us for that. So whether it's from the fact that we are the default parent and the parent who ends up staying at home if a child is sick um, or the parent that goes through pregnancy because physically that is just what happens um, or whether it's because there's part-time work afterwards or what whatever it is, the world is set up in a way that women do a lot of the free work that comes with childcare. It ends up being a woman's business. Uh, and I think when we modeled this, you know, we thought, well, how do we how do we change this? How do we actually close these gaps so that they so that they don't exist? And there's two things. The first is pay equality. Uh, and I think if you are working somewhere, if you are an employer, this has got to be top of mind. Pay should be equal for men and for women doing the same work. So so that I think is priority one. And that's still not the case when we look at the statistics. There's still a gender pay gap even now. And I think the second thing that we can do is enable men and women to work equal hours. Because even if we close the pay gap, actually the hour gap still means that women will have less in their pensions than men. And to do that, we need to share the responsibility of childcare. And if we if we don't do that, then it will never be equal. Yeah, it goes a bit beyond the gap, doesn't it, Craig? But I wanted to take perhaps a more macro view. And Bev, I know you've done a huge amount of work to try to promote women and more diversity in positions of leadership in the city. You know, how do things stand at the moment in terms of, you know, women being at the top of organisations that are making these big decisions for us and wider diversity inclusion in finance? You know, what's the state of play and are you at all optimistic? Um, I'm optimistic about the direction of travel and pessimistic about the speed. Um, But I would say this, and it's less doom and gloom that maybe we've we've just said, Um, it's less than 50 years since women were allowed to invest or in this country, and not personally invest, to step foot on the London Stock Exchange floor. You know, that's 50 years. So so we're talking about actually in that time, we are now sat in a room packed full of women who are interested 
in their financial future. And we have, so we have made huge strides and that fills me um, with great positivity because I don't feel like we've just got our foot in the door now. I feel like we've just rammed our shoulder in and we're about to blow it off. You know, um, you know, you have got firms here like Schroeder's, one of the largest asset managers in the world, and I have a lot of respect for them who are sponsoring an event like this. Five years ago, you would have had firms in the city um, sponsoring events for women that were for the wives of their high net worth um, clients, and it would have been a champagne reception at Harvey Nichols. You know, that's the kind of um, visibility we got as women from the city. Now the city has recognised that we collectively are not a niche, but a revenue chain for them. At the end of the day, you know, they don't have the low-hanging fruit of the patriarchal man at home who's going to make the decision. You know, we're all going out to work. We may not be valued the same in society, but we are going out there and we're breaking down doors. So the direction of travel is there. Um, and we just have to keep shouting. We just have to remember that we value ourselves. Um, at City Hive, sometimes we we call some of these gaps to, um, the kids' shoes and cushions gap. And that's because often in households, we put our money towards those things. You know, my I've got a traditional household. I'm I'm married to a man and I don't think he's once thought about what our house looks like and what our children are going to wear. It comes out of my salary pot, even though we've got a joint income. And I think those are the kind of things that we need to remember, that that £100,000 pension gap will come from remembering that actually we don't have to pick up the burden of all of those things, that our future is important. So just yeah. to pick up on that idea of, you know, us as women, we as women having power, um, you know, where, what should we do about our own personal ethical standards? Where should we put our money? How do we seek the right kinds of ESG, which I think probably many of you know has taken a bit of a beating recently. You know, the idea of ESG being good at per se as a thing seems to be being challenged. And Romy, I wanted to start with you. What do you advise clients? You know, how can we use our money in the way that we best want to? Well, we at Pension B, we've very much been on a journey uh, when it comes to how to invest pensions in a way that reflect our beliefs and also our desire for financial returns, because it is your pension and you have to be confident that you can get both of those things. And when we first started off, we had a plan, a, a product that would invest more of your money in companies that are aligned with Paris. However, it would still invest in oil companies, just the better ones, uh, not, not the really, really bad ones, the ones that were promising that they would change. And the more we talked to our customers about this, the more they felt, well, I don't want to be invested in, in fossil fuels at all. Um, and we scoured the market to try and find a pension plan that would help you be fossil fuel free, a mainstream product, and it didn't exist. So we, we went off and we built one in collaboration with one of the world's largest asset managers, Pension B's Fossil Fuel Free Pension. And that is now available for individuals, for, for anyone who wants to invest their pensions in a way that doesn't support fossil fuel production. So that is certainly, you know, the way that we do it. We listen to what our customers want and then we deliver it. And I think we are probably going to move one step further because people increasingly want to be investing in companies that are not only not doing bad, but that are positively doing good. 
And that doesn't exist in a mainstream way in pensions yet. But I would say watch the space um, because it's something we hear from our customers they really want and is, is coming very soon. Selena, what do you hear from your clients about how they want to invest their money? Um, I think it's the same thing. I, I, I don't know if it's just been a bit of a kind of sea change um, over the past few years, but everyone does want to invest. Um, they want, I mean, particularly uh, with my community, they want to support, you know, black founders or, you know, um, companies that, that treat their kind of employees well. Um, and it is, you know, one thing that we do is just steer them towards those platforms that allow them to be able to do that so that's how we kind of help because we don't do the kind of um, financial advice we don't have a you know a platform that we can direct people to but we always just encourage them to you know do the research um because there's lots of uh kind of ethical companies out there that you can now use and bev i wanted to just chat to you for a minute about this whole esg question i mean what's happening you know what do you think is going to happen what should we tell the audience about esg I mean, ESG is a very muddy space, really, because there's so much terminology and jargon. And really, you know, what I presume customers want to know is whether they're investing for good or for for bad. You know, no one wants to know that they're investing with, you know, arms companies or whatever else it is. In fact, um, 15 odd years ago, I used to be an analyst um, for an, in a private client investment firm. Um, and one of the funds I used to look at was the opposite of ESG, it was called the Vice Fund. Um, oh, this, I remember that. It was, it was a beauty. Um, someone had gone wild with a clip art. So there was, you know, it, it was arms, booze, porn and something else. Um, this was this was the pre-ESG days. Like if someone phoned up and they wanted an ethical fund or an ethical product, it was generally someone's granddaughter who cared. So that would be maybe someone in this room and it would be fair trade coffee that they would be told they could invest in. So the, the markets moved massively on, um, you know, thanks to initiatives like the UN-backed PRI, which is a, a pledge that asset managers sign up to that to link to um, the principles of responsible investing. But I think so. So it's a muddy space and there will be um, you have to do your homework. You have to see where you want to put your money and where your morals align with that. It is also important to remember why you're investing, because there is like in the city at the moment, there's this big kind of idea that women only invest to save the world. We will only invest for social reasons. Actually, the first reason I would I would say is actually money. We're investing to make money, you know, and I think they've forgotten that. You know, men out there also want to invest for good reasons as well. So I think the first thing is to look at that. The other thing is, is look at who you're investing in, the company you're investing through. It's not just the fund. It's not just the fund manager. It is firms that whose names you see wrapped around taxis and you wonder who the hell is that planet, you know, whatever planet that company's named after because they often love, you know, Greek mythology and all the rest of it. Um but but it's looking at them, looking and seeing it, who's on the board of that company, because they're they're taking your money and they're making money off you. And you can you can decide who you invest with. So I'm on the board of a um impact platform called the Big Exchange, which is a investment platform launched by the Big Issue. And they recently launched a filter for purely for female fund managers, so you can find them. Now, I'm gonna put this out there, but Having a set of ovaries or your gender makes no difference on whether you're a good investor or not. There are lots of reasons why you can be a good investor or a bad investor, but your gender is not one of them. But they would have you think that. We are constantly being told as women, we don't know how to take risk. 
Oh, I tell you what, I gave birth twice with no painkillers. <laughs> I know how to take calculated risk, ladies. And it's not true. The thing that you, you need to remember is that if you find a female fund manager in the city, and at the moment only 10, less than 10% of money, active money is managed by women, they are probably the cream. Because at the end of the day, if you've managed to survive in the city and you've got you as a woman, you're going to have to have great performance. You're going to have to be better than the men, which is like any industry, right? We know that. So I would say go and try and find yourself some female fund managers to invest with. They may not get it right. They may not always outperform, but they probably have the skills that actually their peers may not have. So. That's great advice. I just wanted to bring it back to some other sort of financial things now, like mortgages, credit cards. Selena, there are gaps there too. How can we help overcome those gaps? How can we manage that at the moment? Mortgages have been massively in the news recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, just back to my original point, just being really cognizant of building, uh, the importance of building your own credit score. Um at all times so whether you're kind of a university student or whether you're about to you know embark on a partnership of some sort getting married etc um i think we just need to be really really cognizant of of the impact of some of our decisions of you know if we're not checked in with our finances you know what are the kind of longer term implications um of doing that um so yeah so that's what i would say and in in terms of mortgages um it, yeah, I think someone said on the earlier panel, it is a really scary time. Um, at the same time, you know, we, we are all in this together, but not all of us are impacted in the same way. Uh, I still need to kind of dig out. I've been trying to remember, you know, when was the last time I remortgaged? Um, is my mortgage deal coming to an end? I still need to do that for myself. So, you know, just check in and, and just see what's going on with yourselves financially and just continue to do that um, throughout your lives and, and whatever situation you're in is important. Thank you. And to take it out again, what do the panel think that a future economy that prioritises women's lives and our financial security, what would that look like? Is there a one policy change that you'd like to see that you could summarise? Romy, you first. I've got so many and I'm, I'm going to stick to the top ones. I think on, on childcare, I think there needs to be better tax incentives to enable women to actually stay in work because a lot of what we're reading is really scary. Women are giving up jobs in order to be able to stay home and, and look after their children. And, and if you want to do that, that's, that's fantastic. But if you are forced to do it, I don't think it's fair. So I would say better tax there. And then my second one is actually around employers and employer disclosure um, of, you know, what is your gender pay gap? What is your actual gender balance within your company? What is your maternity return rate? Do women come back or not? And I think being armed with this information is really, really important to women who are actively making decisions of where to work. Yeah, quite scarily. I saw reported the other day the government's thinking about removing the need to disclose gender pay gaps. So that's definite going backwards. That's a different panel altogether. <laughs> Bev, what's your one policy change? I think you've probably also got a list. Getting rid of this government would be my policy change. Um, let's subsidise childcare, not owning cars and whatever else we're subsidising because there's probably a load of bullshit we do. Um, you know, when you look at the Nordics, that's why they're actually succeeding in their societies. Look at the way we educate our children. You know, actually, this stuff should be in the curriculum, you know. 
This should be a core part of the curriculum, part of maths. It's, it, this is not an add-on. Teachers don't know how to teach it because they were never taught it. Um, so I think those would be the things. But I am slightly cynical. I don't believe this regime wants us to have that power. And well done to all of you for actually going getting that power for yourselves. You know, pass it forward. If you have friends who don't know this stuff, make them, nudge them kick them into you know no if you have children teach them because this is this is the stuff brilliant thanks so much right i would really like some audience questions there's a mic uh lady here first hi everyone my name's christina i do agree with you i think education is key but <clears throat> i'm quite a newbie of how i can control my finances um how how do we seep through the old noise that it's out there or the information that we are bombarded with? What What is a good and quality information? What is the true information? Um, are there any resources that um, we can follow? Well, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but Romy, what do you say? I, I do think you should identify companies that resonate with you. I mean, at Pension B, we publish a lot about pensions in, in particular, um, we think it's really important for people to to read and just spend time with the information. There's no there's no shortcut um, to to doing that. But I think that there are a lot of companies out there who can help. And of course, Vespod. I mean, that's you know that's why we're all here. Thank you. I've got eight year old twin girls, and I mean culturally, I come from a similar background as Bev. And you know, we are taught about women don't think about money; it's greedy. And so I've got twin girls, and one always is happy to part with her money and the other one is like, I'm saving it because once you get poor, you need the money. So you know, I'm going to save it. And I just feel like I want to do that education. But then obviously the awareness has to start from, from me. But you as moms, you know, some of you, uh, how do you do this at a level where you can teach an eight-year-old to think about the money mindset and things like that? I know it's very complicated, but I'd love some tips. I do all the traditional things. I'll be honest. We have piggy banks, um, and we we put money in there. And I'm I'm going to admit it, but I recently opened a trading account for my five year old, and together we chose stocks that he has heard of, um, and we we invested. I think it was literally about ten pounds. Um, and I'm teaching him that sometimes it goes up and sometimes it goes down, and over the long run, it goes up. I think sometimes it, it has to start at home because it's going to take a long time for the government to do the things we want them to do. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks. Right. Anyone else? Hi, I'm Charisse. Um, and I was wondering if I could ask about reconciling my politics and social beliefs with my desire to gain more capital. I'm a musician and I'm starting to level up a bit, but the musicians I'm trying to pay... Um, will equally be like f the establishment also that fee is way too small for you to, to for, for me to to work with you um and i mean yeah being the daughter of a politician as well has left me being like um very inspired by the social activism but also as the first daughter left with the burden of caring for that mother who has been anti-establishment. So sorry, it's a bit personal, <laughs> but it's, you know, I, I want to be ethical, but also I'm getting quieter about my desire to earn capital because the people in my community are anti-capitalist. Um, but to protect them, I want to get capital. So uh, what do I do? <laughs> Selena, is that one? Yeah. I mean, I'd say, I mean, you just... 
I think money is a tool at the end of the day. We, we can't um, do, any, do anything if we don't have any money. We can't help others. We can't grow our businesses. We can't, you know, live the lifestyles we want unless we have some sort of money. And I think what Bev said before about, you know, we're talking about ESG, but, you know, yes, we want to do everything with a good cause. But at the same time, you know, why, why are you working? You know, why are you um you know, a, a freelance musician, it, you know, it's for the passion, but equally you have to pay your bills. You have to um, um, do what you need to do to get by. So I think, you know, it doesn't have to be either or. Cheers. So shackles off. Thank basically. you. I think we've got time for a couple more. Hi, uh, hello. Um, I just had a question around how do you guys personally balance financial enjoyment versus like financial resilience? I always find it something so hard to balance is enjoying the money you make but then feeling guilty about not saving enough, et cetera? That's a great question. Bev, let's start with you. Um, I'm guessing you're a lot younger than me. Um, and I think that balance changes as you get older and maybe your your pot of money grows or your security grows around it. Um, it it's, a, it's a skill we all need to learn. And the way I suppose I balance it, what I found in my life is when I've ended up with more things, I've actually ended up not enjoying them. So actually having less things and doing less things, but doing them quality things and doing them well means that I I can enjoy and not just spend, if that makes sense. You know, instead of going out every day, maybe going out once, but doing it really well means that I can enjoy the six in my pyjamas at home. Um, you know, so I would say if... if if you feel like you don't have the balance in your savings versus what you're spending is put it down on paper, look at it in front of you. Once you can see it in front of you and what's going out, all of a sudden the things that you were spending on maybe don't feel as important and you'll be able to recognize what is important to you. And then you'll have the security of knowing you're actually putting stuff away. And actually there's something about watching that pie grow and watching that compound interest grow on that pie. And all of a sudden, you kind of enjoy that. It becomes a bit of a game. <laughs> so that's what my thing would be. Just if you, if you know what it looks like, then you're more likely to have that balance. Romy, have you got anything to add to balance? Yes, I think about it in terms of investing in your salary of the future. Um, and that's what I would focus on on sorting out. You know, one of the things that, we've learned at Pension B is that people have this anxiety about later on. They don't know what it looks like. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know how they're going to get the money for that. And I think once you have some comfort that you will have a salary in the future, it really opens up the path to enjoyment today because that anxiety will go away. Selena, what do you tell your clients about this? Um, I, I think it's it's quite interesting because there is an incredible amount of guilt, isn't there, when it comes to money and what we're doing. We're just made to feel so guilty if we, you know, if we start investing and we make a mistake, if we, um, you know, have a bad month and we overspend, you know, we kind of kick ourselves so much. And I, I find it so frustrating. I absolutely hate it. I think we need to just, as women, not be so hard on ourselves, number one, because number two, um, you know, a lot of men are allowed to make mistakes. You know, they're allowed to make financial mistakes. They're allowed to, you know, overspend and they're not feeling guilty about it. So we need to, you know, not feel guilty about it either. Um, at the same time, managing money doesn't mean that you don't have any fun or enjoyment with it. You know, um, I always talk about 
like a budgeting method called 50, uh, 30, 20. And I like to highlight that one because it's got an actual want category in it when you are budgeting. So you can put some money aside for to enjoy the things that you, you like today. And at the same time, you've also got a category for savings in the future. But I think, yeah, we definitely need to get rid of the guilt that we feel when it comes to, to money and money mistakes and investing mistakes because, you know, a lot of people you know, average white men, as they say, sorry to any white men that are in the room, you know, they get away with so much. And, and we always feel really, really guilty um, if we, we do anything different or do anything um, or make any mistakes. And we, we shouldn't. Thank you. That's a great thing to end on. Thank you so much to the panel and thank you all. Don't forget about getting your early bird ticket for this year's festival, which is held on Sunday, March 3rd at Coco in Camden. Hit follow or subscribe to The Wallet on whatever platform you're on so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next Thursday.